is Your Own Voice, the podcast about gender experience and perspective. I'm your host, Amy Breslow. Each week, I invite a different guest to share their personal experiences regarding gender and gender issues. When I use the word gender, I mean the range of social roles, personality traits, attitudes, behaviors, values, and relative power that society assigns to females, males, and other individuals. Gender is an identity that is learned. How we define gender changes over time and can vary within and across cultures. This podcast is recorded at my kitchen table and may contain sounds of life from my home and neighborhood in Washington, D.C. Episode 15. My guest today is Quinn, who identifies as queer, non-binary, and a work in progress. Quinn prefers they, them pronouns. Quinn, welcome to Your Own Voice. I am so pleased to have you here. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. So I'd like to start off by asking, how do you identify? I think that it will be relevant information that I do self-identify as queer and non-binary. And that's important to me. That's really real. But truthfully, if you just asked me this like on the street one day with no warning, what I would tell you is that I self-identify as a work in progress. When you use the term non-binary, what do you mean by that? So... I'm going to tell you a story instead of answering your question. I remember sitting outside on the porch of a friend's house in college um, on like a Friday afternoon drinking hard cider. And, you know, he is a real just kind and generous person, but also like a real bro um, in like a really like healthy way. Like he is a person who you, you know, you, you call him up and you're like, Things are not going my way. And this is exactly what he'll do. He will give you a cider. He will invite you over. He will give you a place to crash. Um, he just wants to, like, provide for your needs. He will listen if you need to listen. But, you know, very, very action-oriented and very masculine in the way that he relates to people. I was like, I am leaning. Like, this is something that I want for people to know about me. Like, I am using this language to describe my identity. Like, this is important to me. And he was like, I, like, support you, but I don't get it. Like, I don't know what this means. What I told him, and I think that this tends to be a good, a pretty good description, is that it seemed to me in reflection that throughout my life I had been learning to, to do, to master, to excel at um, both masculine and feminine sort of like ways of being. Uh, but what I mean by ways of being is ways to relate to people, ways to think about the world, ways to interact with reality ways to structure emotion and experience Um, and I felt like I had gained this enormous versatility um, and that it was an asset and that it was important and that it was something that a lot of people felt but not something that everyone felt and that it's something that I didn't want for people to be able to ignore so I wanted I needed a way to make that front and center and that really to me is the gift of language like non-binary or genderqueer, they, them pronouns, is just that it doesn't tell you, it doesn't tell a person what my gender is actually like at all, but it just tells them that there's something going on and that they should, they should flag it, we should pay attention, we should circle back to that. So for me, that's, I think, what the denotation of the word is in, in culture. Also a little bit about what it is, like, in my experience. And which pronouns do you prefer? They, them, please, for this context. 
I think the thing that people ask me the most about when they know I'm doing a podcast about gender is what is the meaning of they, them pronouns? Can you tell me what that means to you? I think that that is a really good question. I think you're right that that is a real point of confusion. When I was very small, this was in maybe 2015, and I was beginning to take seriously the idea of non-binary genders as something real, something that existed, something that I should think about, something that might be relevant to me, I thought to myself, well, here it is, a question that I've decided I need to answer. And so I sat down and I googled it. And I was like, what is non-binary gender? And there were like three articles on the internet at that time. There were actually, there were two pages on Google. You could just read them all. You could read the entire public discourse about this. It took like an afternoon. It was not robust. And I read it all, and I the, there was like some like Merriam-Webster that was just like, this is a word that some people use, but like, I don't know, maybe don't worry about it. That had never happened to me before, that there was something that I couldn't Google. I don't know. I'm a millennial. I just expected that the entire world was Googleable, and it, it was not. I think that for those who came into the conversation a little bit later, it can look as though this is a like a like a real and solidified concept that now should be Googleable. And maybe when you Google it, you're not using the right search terms. Like maybe you're not smart enough to figure it out. And I think that that's wrong. You know, in a lot of ways, I think that the meaning of non-binary in American culture in this moment is still really in flux. It means very different things to different people. So when someone tells me that they're non-binary, here's what I know. All I know is that there is some significant way in which they feel themselves to be distant from cultures of femininity and masculinity. It's like, um, it's like they're not at home in those cultures, like they're living in this liminal space in between these two huge oceans of history and culture. I think that pronouns are really similar to the word non-binary in that what it tells me is that it doesn't really tell me anything about that person's gender actually at all. It doesn't tell me how they prefer to be for me to relate to them. It does not tell me about their experiences or like what, how they would actually describe themselves. It only tells me that there's a reason that he, him, or she, her is just not a good gig for them. There are other pronoun options, right? Like there's zizim, zir, zi, here, here. There are people who do continue to use those neopronouns, and I, I really respect it. I think that it's a lot harder. And in some ways, I think that it's like maybe a better idea. They, then, theirs is just the broadest road of an alternative. I have found it clarifying in my time with these issues to think about gender in general, but especially masculinity and femininity as cultures. So I would use the phrase like, within feminine culture, comma, this belief tends to be really prevalent, or within masculine culture, comma, it is very unusual for a person to do X, and it tends to create this effect. And I think that that's really helpful because I think that for like literally everyone, your personal gender that is yours is in conversation with other genders and that conversation has been going on for a very long time and it comes with so much inertia. I don't mean that in a bad way, it just, it has momentum and mass, it is enormous, it is formed, it's like, 
it's like been living its life for like 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 several thousand years and now here you are um and you're having this conversation with it i think that that's really helpful because i remember a time in my life when i self-identified as a very straight very cis young girl and i remember being like but what do labels matter a category means nothing to me i don't fit in any box and i remember thinking that the, the drive to choose a language or to articulate my stance, it, it, seemed very, it seemed very trivial. Like, why should I care about that? Like, that shouldn't matter to me. When I recognized the weight and just mass of gender in culture, I felt much more justified and much more, like, empowered and grounded, saying, you know, Okay, chill, and here's my two cents in this conversation. How did your family react when you asked them to refer to you as they, them? So, I do not ask my family to use they, them pronouns for me. And that's a choice. And it's, it's something that I have thought a lot about. I super, super recently made the choice to change my name or or at least to change the name that I use day to day. You know, it's recent enough that I have not yet talked with them about it, and I will do that, but I will need to think for a long, long time about how to pitch it to them that this name that they have given me does not necessarily, uh, like, serve me all of the time, and that I am about to take that into my own hands. Um... So I do, not, I do not ask my family to use they, them pronouns. Um, and that's a choice. That's something that I've thought a lot about. And here's why. I have, I have talked with them a little bit about this, but it's not necessarily a part of our uh, like ongoing conversation. It's sort of like a, it was like a one and done deal. Um, and that was a little bit ago and it's now a little bit outdated. And like, it's maybe time to like update the gender conversation. I don't know. But here are my considerations on that. I, I talked before about the idea that gender is culture. And I, you know, I think that, that that for me is the key. That's the foundation of my view. I think that non-binary gender identities are also a product of culture. I think that there is a culture where that makes sense and there's a culture where it's not. It is... A conceptual structure that is made possible by my society and my culture. It's something that I can't do alone. Uh, it's like gender is a team sport. Like I need for people to participate in this idea that I am non-binary with me. If it's just me out here screaming those words, that's that's not actually being a non-binary person. It is in a way, but it's not. That's not what I'm after. That's not the vision. My parents are from rural Iowa. We grew up embedded in evangelical, I grew up embedded in evangelical religious communities. Non-binary gender identities are not a part of their culture. And in fact, like, you know, that's a culture where the idea is that your gender is determined by your sex. So like, you're born and like, your body is understood in a certain way, and it is expected that that is going to have some significant impact on how you live your life, what you believe, how you feel, how you talk to people, what you aspire to. 
it is not nearly as oppressive as that expectation can be in a lot of places. I felt a lot of freedom growing up as a girl in my house and in my community. Also, though, uh, this sort of like radical path of synthetic androgyny was not super available to me. I'm not sure I understand. What do you mean when you use the term synthetic androgyny? Yeah, no, for sure. Sorry, that's um, that was just some wordplay. Okay. Uh, here's the thought behind that is synthetic in the sense of like, I'm going to take all of this stuff and I'm just going to put it in a blender. Like, that's my view of how gender should work. Like, I'm going to take all of this like ambition and being tough under pressure and like having a really tight hold on your emotions, but also I want to be like super playful all the time. And like, I want to wear, like I'm currently wearing, this is a true story. I'm currently wearing this like third hand, like very bro-y flannel um, over top of this like mid femme, like athleisure black tank top, right? Like it's synthetic. I just want to draw all of that together. You know, androgyny, you know, like I could take or leave as a word. I think that it is a nice word in the English language because of its etymology, right? So you've got like andro, like man, right? And then ginny, like gynecology, like women. And I just think it's great. It's like sometimes in in, uh, in trans communities, you'll hear the word girl boy. And I just really like that we have this like pre-existing word that's all like Latin and it's huge and it's fizz, androgyny. Androgyny just means girl boy. Like, isn't that great? That is great. I never thought about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so synthetic androgyny, that's, if you, like, asked me tomorrow and you were like, hey, Quinn, do you self-identify with the phrase synthetic androgyny? Like, <laughs> not really, but, like, you know. Understood, and I didn't mean to get you off your train of thought, but I thought I have to stop them there because they just used a phrase that I don't get and I am not going to be able to follow along if I don't get clarity. So I would take this one layer farther as well. I would say that it's my view that even in situations of cultural tension where there's there's real disagreement between one culture and another, I generally come down with the idea that the offer of respect and benevolence and compassion and understanding is like a is like a really super necessary foundation. So I offer that to my family. I am not interested in showing up in their house in rural Iowa, like three hours from the closest airport and being like, here's my culture. It is the truth. I am right and you are wrong. You know, here's, here's my plan for how I'm going to onboard you into my cultural worldview. That's not something that I think is reasonable for me to do. I don't think that that would be ethical for me. And so it's not something that I do. I try to offer them I try to offer them respect through conflict. And that's why I don't ask them to use their pronouns. It's 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 out of respect for their culture. What issues of gender do you confront in the workplace? I did an internship during college at a Fortune 500 company, big corporate office, 2000 people, a multi-building campus, um, great cafeteria that type of place. It was the straightest place that I have ever been in my life. It was so straight that this cohort of like 40 interns 
just sort of organically self-segregated into groups of men and groups of women. Um, and there were people who uh, were hooking up transparently. And that, that, was, that was the only way in which I saw these groups really interact for the most part. And it was, it was super weird to me, right? Like that was, I had never seen the world in pink and blue. Um, if you just like handed me a group of 40 people and you were like, here are like character profiles, how should they be friends? I would never have sorted them that way. And it was really disorienting. Um, and it kind of really got under my skin also. And the thing is that as much as the social culture had that sort of bifurcated pink and blue to it, it really showed up in the workplace also. I remember uh, there was this like specific day in probably June um, and I went to this, I went to this like networking meet and greet with uh, a couple of, of higher level execs and it was me and uh, this other very quiet girl and this like dude from my program. And there were these three, I don't know, kind of older white men. They spent the majority of the conversation talking to uh, the, the, the young man who was with us, the intern. Um, they did not, they were not super interested. They did not really go out of their way to engage us, uh, the other two who were there. And when they did, they were like, hey, so what do you, this is to me, they were like, what do you like to do for fun? I was like, I really like swing dancing, which is true. I love swing dancing. They were like, oh, this other one of these, you know, like older professional people also will go dancing sometimes, but his wife leads. And they all laughed. And I was like, that's, so I lead and I follow, right? Because I, I just want to do everything. And I didn't really know how to make some sort of quippy, witty remark and be like, oh, well, that's, you know, that really shows her initiative or like that really shows his openness to that really shows his esteem for his wife that he's willing to let her lead. This is the kind of thing I should have said. Didn't um, the whole thing just like mm, not a great, not a great hour of my life. But the thing is that that was sort of how the workplace was, too. A lot of the men were very masculine. A lot of the women were very feminine. Um, everyone was professional. They were all doing their jobs, but there was just so much more of an entrenched gender culture in a way that I had just never experienced. And I found it really off-putting um, and really disorienting. And I think that, you know, my, my experience in organizations is pretty limited. I think that that's a normal thing that happens in a lot of workplaces. And I, man, you know, will have experiences, I'm sure, in organizations like that going forward. And I'm grateful that I now have this enormous toolkit of ways to deal with that. But that was a sort of rough introduction from college to the real world. Did you share with anybody there that you identified as non-binary? Or did you just say, you know what, I'm not going to engage in this, as you said, wider conversation with the people here, which I totally get. I'm just curious whether you went there or not. 100% not. I just did not. I just did not. I I was struggling to make myself understood and get people to take me seriously regardless. And so I used a lot of masculine behavior to indicate that I was not playing. And it worked a little bit, but I was in no position to be like, and you know what else? I identify with synthetic androgyny. Like, it's just... <laughs> 
In your opinion, what do you think is possible today that was not possible even a few years ago? So I think that in a lot of ways, the gender conversation in the U.S. has changed enormously in the last couple of years. But also, you know, it's it's always important to remember that there have been trans people for, you know, forever. Um, and that's taken different forms and different cultures. And over time, you know, it, it maybe looks from the outside like trans people on the whole are totally new. And I think that that's wrong. But I think that what is new is a whole other level of visibility um, and conversation. So now, like, it's really a part of the, the American dialogue. I alluded to this before, but by the standards of that current conversation, you know, I was a pretty early adopter of they, them pronouns. Um, so I, I was on this bandwagon in, like, summer, spring 2015, just a timestamp. At that time... I had one acquaintance who was openly trans and they used they them pronouns and I was like, what is that? I was like, I don't want to do that. That sounds hard. I don't get it. That sounds as though the language that this person wants for me to, to use for them is about them and not about me. And I was like, what is that? And you know, they, they, they like chose a new name and they're like, it was a great name for them. It's so obvious in retrospect why they chose that. Um, at the time I was like, people don't change their names for gender. Like that's not a real thing that happens in the world. Spoiler alert, you know, it is a real thing that happens in the world, but I, so I was in college, I was in this very educated space where, you know, you would like go to dinner and people were like, and then in my gender theory class, and so there was so much, there was so much scaffolding um, that the leap to the leap to non-binary identity and non-binary pronouns was novel but small. It was something that people weren't comfortable with. It was asking them to go to a new place, but it was not a place that was far removed from where they lived. You know, I have so many new relationships right now. I'm like perpetually meeting people, and I will. I'm not super forward about it. I don't like walk up to people and be like, hey, my pronouns are. Um, so I'll just like drop it in conversation on like hour three. And it's been so easy for people to be like, oh, hey, cool. I didn't know that. Like, thanks for the thanks for the heads up. Uh, yeah, I also mentioned that the that switching names is a new thing for me. I asked a couple of people. I was like, hey, I want to do like a 30 day free trial on this. Like, let's just can you help me out? Can we like, can you try this? And they're like, yeah, like for sure. Um, and instead of being like, but why? They were like, that is a reasonable and intelligible request. Um, and they just did it. And since flipping the switch and sort of choosing that, like, that's, you know, making the choice that that's, that's my real name now going forward, people in my life have been just so receptive and understanding. It's been casual. The burden of education is just so much smaller than it used to be. And it's, it's, it's so great. It's so good. I love it so much. I'm curious, do you think your experience is typical of a non-binary person in the United States? Nope. No. Strong no on that one. No. I am so lucky. I do not know if I can express how fortunate I am. Here's what I know. I... I know trans people, and especially non-binary people who are older, who have met so much more um, gender normativity 
in their transitions. Can you just unpack when you say gender normativity? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, like, I always, like, imagine it, like, in the minds of these people, like, I always like to, like, pretend like we can see gender auras on, like, a spectrum from pink to blue. The world that I live in is just, like, all, like, little minutely different shades of purple and, like, various degrees of, like, light and darkness, and it's, like, super fun, and it's all... And gender normativity for me is a worldview where you've got, like, hard pink and like hard blue and that's that's the options that's the menu and where there's a strong intensity to that sort of like gender aura so like you're a man and that is meaningful and you you know how dare you give that up and uh don't you have any self-respect and where's your where's your dignity as a man or like but you're a woman and that's not your place that's not your role that's not what women do how dare you, you know, be so, so uppity, so angry, you know, whatever. How dare you presume that you should be able to control things, you know, whatever. So you got like high intensity gender in two flavors, gender normativity. It's like a little bit flippant as like an example of that. Um, shout out to all of the gender normative people in the world. <laughs> so coming back, you know, a lot of older yeah, trans people who... who have had to deal with that stuff. Oh, for sure. So, you know, that's a real thing. I mentioned before that I grew up in a rural community. I know that the conversation is moving in that community. I know that it's a, it's a big deal in schools, but it's, it's seen as a youth issue. It's like, you know, it's like all of the kids are downloading these new genders from Tumblr and now, you know, we all got to deal with it, is I think how it's, how it's viewed there. Quinn, is there something you would like regular people in the United States to start doing now to make a change around issues of gender. Yes. If you have not already, drop your pronouns in your email signature. Do you have your pronouns in your email signature? I don't, but I will after this. Consider it. I mean, it just like, it's not going to work for everybody, you know, like there's, depending on your contacts, maybe don't, um, but maybe do. Um, And here's, so here's my rationale for that is I, I don't really foresee a world in the next couple of years where you meet somebody and you're like, hey, what's your name? And then you're like, oh, hey, by the way, what are your pronouns? Like, that might be cool, but I, you know, I don't do that. But I think that, so one thing that I do is that when I, when I meet somebody, especially in queer communities, if I'm going to get their number and put it in my phone, if I don't already know their pronouns, then I'm like, hey, by the way, what's like, I want to put your pronouns in my phone. What's your pronouns? Super easy, super low impact. And that means, you know, getting someone's contact info tends to be the moment where like an enduring relationship crystallizes. So it's a really good moment to get that worked out. And it's super low impact. Pronouns in your email signature is, is really similar. You know, it's just so easy. And also it's a really valuable signaling thing where if I see pronouns in somebody's email signature, then I know that if they can't use my pronouns, they're going to be open to a conversation about it. But I also know they're way more likely to just see it, do it. You know, we don't even have to talk about it. One way to think about this that helps me is that a pronoun is sort of like a last name. It's like a somewhat auxiliary piece of information about someone's identity, but you're, you're going to want to know that sooner than later. Do you have any other thoughts on this question? You know, true story, it is hard to learn to use they-them pronouns, and it's harder the first time than, you know, the, like, 
by the time you've got like five non-binary people in your life, you're going to have it done. It's going to be easy for you. Here's the deal is that it's the same type of thinking that goes into language learning. So in the same way that if you're learning a new language, you're going to be like, hello, ich heiße Quinn, you know, whatever. You're just going to like need to say that sentence about 35 times before it's super, super easy. Just do that with they, them pronouns. Just take an afternoon, find uh, like a non-binary celebrity on the internet and just like write practice. It's just like 10, like, um, can't think of it. Like you can use, you can use me as an example. <laughs> be like, Quinn is 25 years old. They like to eat ice cream. Just hash that out. And then you'll just have it. You'll just be done. So I'm pretty lax about my pronouns, but I'm also pretty vocal about it. So like, I don't, it doesn't get under my skin if somebody uses she, her pronouns, but I'm pretty quick to, uh, you know, just drop this into a conversation and be like, by the way, I, you know, use the other thing. And a part of, I think what's super, super helpful about it for me is that my concept of my gender is not really the point of they, them pronouns. The point of they, them pronouns is your concept of my gender. I want to manage your expectations. I want for you to know that the like pink and blue gender aura isn't going to work for me. So, you know, the earlier that I can just like get that on the table, the easier time we're going to have understanding where one another are coming from. Do you have anything else to add, either on something that we talked about earlier in the conversation or something that didn't come up already? So when I was considering changing my name, I listened to this podcast episode from a podcast series that's just all about names. And one of the ideas in there is that you don't owe your birth name anything. And I was like, what? Like, that's insane. Like, I'd never heard someone say that before. But also, I had never heard someone just openly acknowledge that, like, yeah, like, you probably do feel like you owe your name something. But, like, is that true? And so two things. One, like... In a similar way, like, you don't owe your birth gender anything, you know? Like, you just... I think that there are lots of cis people in the world who would be a lot happier if they sort of took their gender with, like, a little bit of a grain of salt, where it's like, yeah, sure, like, that's approximate, like, that's fine. But, like, really, it took seriously, like, the personal... Like, it is your gender, you can do anything you want with it. So that's the, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is like, you know, I know that in my experience, I felt this really intense obligation to femininity for a long time. And the process of shaking that, you know, I like felt really guilty. I was like, am I like a traitor? Am I, you know, am I selling out like the like women in my life? And like, is it really like, is femininity such an awful? And it's not but it wasn't for me. And so that's my second pitch. You know, you don't know, you, like, you don't know your birth gender, anything. Also for women though, like you don't owe femininity, anything. It should serve you and you can, you can work with it. You can remold it. You can, you have so much and you don't always, right? Some people don't, but to the degree that you can rework it to make it work for you, like do that, at least consider it. So Quinn, at different points in the conversation, you've made references to engaging with people who don't quite understand where you're coming from. 
And I'm wondering if there's anything else that you want to add either to somebody listening who's dealing with the situation themselves, either a child or a family member or friend, or perhaps a person, whether they're young or not, who is discovering that they are non-binary. Do you have any thoughts or, um, let's say, words of hope that you might give people? Yeah, for sure. So the first thing is that you have to have boundaries. There is such a thing as behavior that is not acceptable to you and you, you know, you got to have a plan. Um, you, I would say that you owe that to yourself. Take a, take some time. Um, like maybe like talk through it with like a, like a trusted advisor, like maybe see a therapist about this, but like really like boundaries are the keys to the kingdom. Past that, you know, if somebody is misunderstanding you, but it's not boundary time yet, strong, you know, strong, strong endorsement for compassion people care about gender people you know other people in your life have a culture of gender um and yours is not it and that you know can be actually really hard for them and i think that sometimes you hear that and you're like oh yeah it's inconvenient to know a trans person but like no like it can really seem like a threat to them that you're like you know what your idea is bad and i have this new idea and i've got to live by my idea a good way to de-escalate that is to just offer them understanding like, hey, here's my understanding of your culture and where you're coming from. And like, is this right? And like, let's talk about this. And like, what is your experience like? Or like, you know, hey, I just want to I want to bring you in on like my culture of gender. Like you personally, I want to tell you about this. I want I want for you to understand because you are important to me just the more compassion and benevolence you can just inject into that conversation, you know, the more space you open up for you to maneuver and for another person to get closer again. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, um, here's something else. So I remember being really young and I like saw all of the like really confident queer kids and they were like, I am really queer and they were super like empowered in their identities and I was like, they, you know, they have the magic. I don't know what it is, but like they have it and I do not. I remember like feeling like a little bit left out. And I think that we've moved past that as a culture, but I think that there can sometimes be that same vibe around gender and especially like non-binary identities. But even like, you know, like the sort of like fluid, like a la carte gender approach it can sometimes be like, oh, that's just for the kids. The kids have something special that lets them do that. There's nothing special. Um, if you are interested in taking an a la carte approach to gender, I am here to invite you to do it. I think it's a great lifestyle. I think it is so empowering and I think that it is so fun. Um, and it might not be for you, but like, you're invited. There's your invitation. It's official. Quinn, it has been a delight talking to you. Thank you so much for coming over. Of course. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Your Own Voice, the podcast about gender experience and perspective. Your Own Voice is produced by me, Amy Breslow, with IT support from Alex Moreno and is registered with ProtectRight, music by Kevin McLeod. I see each conversation as an adventure, and I love being surprised by where we go. If you found you had any questions during the conversation, I'd really like to know. 
you can submit questions on the website, yourownvoice.org contact. Thank you for joining us today. I'll be back in one or two weeks with the next episode. Until then, take care and be well.